Glory to God. Um, just to let everybody know, we started the Galatians Bible study. And no, you can't come in and sit because that room's too small. But it's on YouTube. It's on the website. It's on the podcast. And uh, I upload the notes to the the website and the um, and the uh, YouTube video underneath the comments. I put the notes there. And so you can track along with that, track along with the scriptures. At the end of it all, we'll, we'll, I'll publish the uh, commentary. Um, and what we'll do is we'll just go through every single one of the epistles in the New Testament. And then we'll publish a commentary for every single one of the epistles. Um, so, so people can have that. You have one more resource. There's also the transcript for the YouTube. So if you want yeah, to, yeah. There's, the, there's you want a, to read the transcript while you're going through the message as well. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if I hadn't gone and, and looked that up. Yeah, to see um, what that is. But it'll be it'll be good. You know, in this postmodern world, I don't know if you guys realize the postmodern world is a very deconstructionist world. Yeah, and deconstruction meaning. We're going to go back and look at everything we've ever thought and said, and now we're going to tear it down, right? And that mindset isn't just in the world. It's also in the church, right? But listen, there's a difference between Reformation and Deconstruction. <laughs> and Reformation is profitable. Yes. Deconstruction is not. No, it's not. Right? Yeah. It is not. And so um, I think one of the things that's happened in the postmodern world is that people struggle to read, not everyone, but a lot of people that I interact with, they struggle to read the scriptures for themselves. And the reason why they struggle is because they struggle to see how it's pointing to Christ. And so um, a lot of people have abandoned the scriptures because of that. And listen, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you do greatly err. And then he says, the reason you err is because you don't know the scriptures. And so it's fine if we sit and say, I don't understand these scriptures. But if in our postmodern thinking, that results in the abandonment or the trashing of the scriptures, that will be to our own confusion and peril. Right? And so one of the things that I hope to be able to do is, um, I think you guys can agree that I'm more into Reformation than probably anybody you've come across. And we've spent the last 10 years reforming. Reforming, yes, exactly. But I'll tell you this, my love for the Scriptures has grown greater. right? And the Reformation that we've walked through is because of the Scriptures. right? And the revelation of the Christ that's in the Scriptures. And so something that I hope can happen is that people's love for the Scriptures can be revived. And I hope that not only will I explain the scriptures, but I'm hoping that what will come out as I go through the scriptures verse by verse is people will begin to pick up on how you weigh the scriptures and the balance for themselves. Right? And so that, because I promise you, if you start seeing Jesus in all the scriptures, you will be happy and you will love the scriptures. And something happens when you see Jesus in all the scriptures. Do you know what it does? It discerns your life for you. It comes and gives you answers about your life. And the answers that it gives you about your life are full of great clarity, great confidence, great strength, uh, great boldness, and you feel happy. right? And most of the turmoil we experience in life is when we feel uncertain and unsure about our lives, about what's going on, and about what to think about our lives. 
Well, listen, man, God hasn't left you in the place where you need to sort it out for yourself. He's come and sorted it out for you in the person of Jesus Christ. He's interpreted himself, and he's interpreted you and your life together, all wrapped up in the man Jesus. And now all of that is in the scriptures. And so as you're reading the scriptures and seeing the Christ, the anointed one, that's the spirit that's revealed in the scriptures, it starts discerning your life yeah. and your life with God. Right. And you start finding like a peace and a love and a joy come upon you. So one of the things I hope that the Bible studies will do as we go through it verse by verse, and we're going to go through every single letter, verse by verse. Yes. Yes. And um, I hope that it will revive people's love for the Scriptures. Yes. Right? And we'll, we'll move away from this postmodern thought, which is, uh, we, don't, we don't need the Scriptures. We know better than the Scriptures because we're alive 2,000 years after the Scriptures. We don't need to be taught. We have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Listen, the Holy Spirit is your teacher. That, that's absolutely right. But that doesn't mean you're off in the corner by yourself being taught by yourself. No, That's not what it's talking about. The Holy Spirit is the teacher means that the Spirit of truth was revealed in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. It, that'd be like Jesus saying, I am your teacher. Well, then do you say that you don't need Jesus? You don't need an actual teacher? No, and so the Spirit is the, the Holy Spirit is the teacher means that there's a truth contained in the Holy Spirit that was made flesh in Jesus, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, it says he gave gifts unto mankind, right? So that they could be taught about the Spirit of truth, right? right? And right. so what I hope will happen is um, going through the Bible studies, it will make straight what's gotten crooked in our postmodern thinking, right? Right? Yeah. Um, regarding God, the Scriptures, um, and everything else, because the postmodern thought um, is full of destruction. It's full of destruction, yeah. right? Deconstruction right. is full of destruction. We're not here to deconstruct, we're here to reform. Mm -hmm. And you reform from the carnal mind to the mind of Christ, yes. right? right? And you don't have to throw out the scriptures to get there, right? Right? The, the, it's not the scriptures that are the problem. Right? If someone comes and tells you the scriptures are the problem, they don't understand the scriptures. Right? right? And you ought to scrap everything they say. <laughs> right? You Indeed. ought to go throw it in the garbage can. The problem is the carnal mind, yeah. not the scriptures. So in the day people struggle to see the love of God in the scriptures, the answer isn't to get rid of the scriptures so we can establish our own vain philosophies which there's a whole lot of that going on in the world today. People establishing their own vain philosophies, right? The answer is to nail the carnal mind to the cross in the midst of people. So they start finding the carnal mind unwound from them. And they start seeing the mind of Christ clearly. And then they start reading the scriptures through the mind of Christ instead of the carnal mind. So that's what we want to do. It's a very difficult thing for human beings to come to the place where they say, I don't know anything. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean that, it, that you can't know things. In fact, the, when you begin with, I don't know anything, is when you'll begin to know things. Because you'll begin scrapping all your thoughts and conclusions, and you'll begin asking yourself, what does God think? What does the Christ think? Right? So it's not what I think. It's not what you think. Because we're, we're weak in that we define what we think by what we experience and by what we feel. 
We've built a logic and a wisdom around our experiences and what we feel, right? And God, he didn't do that. He's not moved by the death he sees in the world. So the beginning of wisdom is for all of us to say, who cares what we think? What did God say? Right. Right? And he has spoken to us through Christ, who is the express image of himself, which means Jesus is the totality of God. That means there's nothing left behind there. Everything that can explain God was revealed in Jesus. Right? And that's what... That's the, the hope behind going through all these letters. And um, something that will happen is you'll get, when you sit with one letter for a while, and you read verse by verse, and you sit and think about those verses with God, and you sit in a letter for a couple of months without moving on to the next letter, where you don't try to do the Bible in a year. That's garbage. <laughs> That's right. That's garbage. Okay, I'm sorry. That's garbage. It's well intended, but it's garbage. Something happens is, the, the, the letter becomes a painting that you see. And you start seeing all the verses intertwined. The ones in the beginning from the end. And you start to get massive revelation of what's actually being said there. So that's the hope for the Bible study. Um, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it on the website. You can find it on the podcast. Uh, if you have any questions about the, the sessions, put it in the YouTube comments. And at the end, I'll answer all the questions. Um, so, glory to God. I think it was so beautiful and heartwarming as far as I, I thought. Just saying what we're a part of is sort of a, a modern reformation, if you will. That's a, that's a proactive thing, right? It's bringing goodness. It's bringing light. And without debating the merits and demerits of what people classically call the reformation, well, and, and don't, it's not important as far as the details, but just the macro idea. There was Martin Luther who was considered like a weirdo, and yes, he certainly had some personality quirks, and that's true as far as however, he was considered such an outlier and so bizarre and so a weirdo. And Greg, without hurting your feelings, it's <laughs> You have personality quirks, but that doesn't mean that you're not a part of a wondrous reformation, a wondrous modern reformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make any sense? Hey, glory to God. Amen. I'm very thankful for my personality quirks. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, man, what do you guys want to talk about? Oh. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good morning, Phil. Good morning. That's one of those personalities. Hi, Phil. Hi, Phil. How are you doing? Good to see you. That's good to be here. The edge of the chair, you know, trick. Yeah. But Greg, thank you. As far as just being among the people on the earth at the forefront of trying to poke through the darkness with this modern reformation of light and yeah. life. Uh, so much mm -hmm. gratitude. Yeah, glory yeah. to God. I've, I've come to find out, and, and what he has said has been validated for me because of the Saturday morning study where we're going through all of the okay. the books you know, in the New Testament and to spend time. Now, I've given up on <laughs> trying to share a whole lot with, with the gentlemen that are in that group, but the real benefit is, like you said, just sitting with the book for weeks and weeks and going over it and putting it together and tying all the pieces together 
I benefit tremendously from that aspect of that. And you, and you start to look at it, and when you hear carnal input coming from other people, you know right away, no, I'm out. That, you know, that's not right. And, and um, it's made a huge difference. I mean, well, you can probably sense that it brings death when you yeah. feel it entering your body. It's like, ooh, it's well, that yeah, because what happens is when, like, when you get when I'm getting ready, I'm reading, and I'm going, well, this is what because we lived there for so long. This is what they're going to say about this, right? right? right. And as opposed to this is what Jesus says about this, right, right. and it makes a big difference. And I've come to the thing you talk about reading through the Bible. The verse of the day. Is right up there with the with the read through the Bible in a year. I mean, we talked about it Wednesday night. Just taking a single verse and applying it, however you want to, is garbage. <laughs> it's just yeah. The, the letters I hate were, it. The letters were meant to be read as a whole. Yeah, That's as a letter, right? A yeah. Letter. Okay. Right. So you read the letter as a whole, right. and you ask God to help you understand what this is communicating, and the letter as a whole has a message to it and a truth to it right. and when you understand the whole of it then you can begin to see what was being meant when other things were being talked about in that letter sure but until you know the whole you're just studying jots and tittles of things that you really can't put together because you don't know what the whole letter says you have no idea what the whole letter says yeah. you just know what the snippets say, right? And it, it's hard to really come to grips. Yeah, a, a great, a great example of that is so when I first was in the Navy, we I deployed right away to the Middle East. Port on board ship, went to the Middle East, and so the only way we could communicate back in the old days was by letter, right? Yeah. And so I'd get a letter from my wife, and it would be interesting to say. To think like that. Well, I'm only going to read the first two <laughs> sentences of that letter, and then we'll read the rest of it later, right? right. Go through, number every single sentence, and then I'm going to read sentence one through five, and just kind of dwell on that. Now, it would be stupid yeah. to do it that way. I know, I still have a whole box of them, too. <laughs> really be misunderstood. Yeah. You, you know, one of the big so things that, that, like, calmed me down with trying to, like, let me crack this open and understand everything about it, was just saying, do you see Jesus in this scripture? Do you, do you see that in that word that you just read? And I mean, if I can't see it, then I go, I just need to sit still because I am not understanding and seeing this right. properly. Right. That, that has been a huge thing, and when I and when I hear other people, you know, speaking, like, oh, this means this, and I'm kind of going, ah, that ain't Jesus. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know? right. Yes. I, and, and when I see that, I, I don't have to. Instead of getting into the sparring with them, I'm actually like, okay, I need to back off on this because it ain't about reason and logic anymore. No. And, okay. It's, no. It's do you see the goodness in the heart of God in what you're reading? And if you don't, then you don't know what you're reading. Right. If you don't start with some idea about uh, what you're reading is about, then you're never going to know what you're reading. Yeah. If you don't have some understanding yeah. of what it's about, the thing you're reading, then you're lost. Yeah. And so if you don't first understand that the word of what you were reading was made flesh in Jesus, 
And so everything you're reading is about what was made flesh, the word that was made flesh in Jesus. You're going to read through that whole thing, and I promise you, you're going to read your own thoughts yep. into it. Yep. You're going to read your own interpretations. You're going to read your own conclusions into it, because that's how the human heart works. We assign meaning. We walk around all day assigning meaning, right? We've assigned meaning to so many things already today. It's ridiculous, right? We, we just have. We've assigned meaning. We have assigned certain meanings to what's going on and, all, and everything that's happening all around us. And so you have to first start with what this is about. And if you don't first understand what it's about, you're done. Yep. You're going to read your own interpretations into it. Yep, yep. It's going to be all about me instead of all about him. Mm-hmm. It's going to be all yes. about you. It's going to be all about uh, your understanding of everything, really what it'll be all about is uh, death instead of life. And death gives birth to the carnal mind. Right? And so your mind will be filled with sin and death. Mm -hmm. You'll read it through a stained conscience Mm -hmm. instead of reading it through the life that God has in himself. It doesn't say in the beginning was death. (laughs) No. It doesn't say that. No. It doesn't say that. Right? Now, that doesn't mean that death doesn't enter the picture somewhere. And that doesn't mean that death wasn't there. But in the beginning was life. And in the beginning was an incorruptible life. Mm-hmm. A life that can't be overcome by death. A life that even should death come upon it, it would swallow up that death to where there is no death anymore. A life that, should there be confusion, can even manifest itself in the midst of the confusion and bring forth order out of the center of confusion. A life that makes all things that get crooked straight. A life that is so much that it fills all things, that it causes all things to abound. Right? right? right. That's what the scriptures are talking about. Yeah. And, and so... If you don't begin with with some type of understanding of the Word made flesh, the Word of life, right? And what that Word declares about God. What do you think it declares about God that death was overcome in the flesh of Jesus? What do you think it declares about God? You know, Paul talked about us having a a heavenly tabernacle that isn't built by the works of man's hands. What do you think it declares about God that He came and built the body that was composed of incorruptible flesh that could never die again, that could never be touched by death or weakness again, and he came and built that body for you, even when you were dead in your sin. What do you think it declares about God that when you were in your blood, meaning when you were dead in sin, that he, his heart said, it's the time of love, and he came and spread his skirt over you, right? In the Hebrew culture, do you know what it means to spread your skirt over someone? It means that you're declaring that you're going to decorate them in your life. That's what it means. Now, what do you think it says about God? All those things. Because they're trying to tell us something about God and what's in God's heart. And what do you think all those things say? That he holds us with an incredible value. Yeah. High regard, beloved. Incredible value. High regard, loved. Right. So now you read the scriptures from that mindset. Yes. And it starts whacking everything back into place. Right? And I don't know if you guys realize it, but and you, you'll, you'll connect real easy probably in our relationships. Do you know in our relationships, the thing that influences the way we interact with the people in our lives is our history with them. The history that we have with them impacts our perception of them, and it impacts the way we interact with them. It impacts the way that we think of them, 
It impacts the way we walk with them. It impacts whether we want to relate to them and how we relate to them. All those things. Well, listen, it's like that with God also. We have a history with God. And what you think about your history with God, what you think about mankind's history with God, because that's your history with God, what you think about mankind's history with God will shape the way you interact with God. It will shape the way you relate with God and the way you think He's relating with you. Right? right, right? right, right. And there's something in the earth called PTSD. You guys, you guys know what that is, right? Yeah. It's when you encounter tremendous trauma, and then that trauma doesn't just stay back where it was. It triggers you all of the time, yeah. right? right? Well, what do you think happens in your heart with God if you interpret mankind's history with God in a way that's full of great trauma yeah. and pain yeah. and suffering? How do you think that affects you going forward with God? Doesn't help, man. I mean, listen, I've done counseling with people that were uh, off in uh, the Gulf War and in uh, Afghanistan and all that kind of stuff and had PTSD, right? And mm -hmm. it's still impacting them, the trauma from back then. Right. And so the his our history with God is deeply relevant. And most people haven't defined their history with God through the man Jesus. Yes. They've right. defined their history with God from the carnal mind and from the carnal interpretation of what the scripture said and so it leaves them with PTSD and it leaves them with the mind filled with death because the carnal mind is death it says right and so if you're thinking with the carnal mind if you're reading the scriptures from the carnal mind you're you can't comprehend God really in the scriptures you can see that they talk about God but you can't really comprehend the heart of God or what God's actually doing in those scriptures right you you won't be able to see it at all you'll read things like um, about God's face being hidden from us. And you'll think that means God abandoned us. That's what you'll conclude. And you'll build the whole theology around it where you'll say God was so disgusted and angry with us that he abandoned us. That's what it means that he, his face was hid from us. That's what you'll conclude. Right? And you'll read that into the scriptures if you don't already start with the interpretation of your history with God in the man Christ Jesus. It says Jesus was a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord yeah. when he was on the cross. Mm. A sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. Mm. It's actually in the verses. Right? Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. Was God's face hidden behind the veil in the earthly tabernacle when he had Moses build the temple when the children of Israel came out of Egypt? Was God's face hidden behind the veil? Well, you couldn't see it, could you? Mm -mm. You couldn't see his face, could you? No. Well, was God with him or not? Yes. Yeah. The whole point was the tabernacle of God is with man. And so his face is hidden because there was a veil. Right. But did that mean he had abandoned them? No, because no, he was there. Right. <clears throat> so now you start unwrapping what some of these things mean. And then you start connecting the pieces of the puzzle. Hebrews would come and say that the reason the veil was there was because the Holy Spirit was declaring that the way you think is the way unto eternal life is not the way. So God's face being hidden isn't that God had abandoned the people. It's that God had hid his face from their union to death and the idea that they could have life through their own works. And the reason why he did that is so he could signify to them that the way you think is to eternal life is actually unto death. Now, is that God being angry or dissatisfied with us? Or is that God trying to teach us that we're dying? Yeah. 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 
Right. Do you see the difference in how you interpret? Right. right. Yeah. And do you see, listen, I didn't first come with that, and I didn't figure that out with my brain and then let that tell me, oh, God loves me. No, no, what first happened was God taught me that everything in the scriptures is pointing to the Word made flesh in Jesus. And then I began seeing what Jesus declared. And then that began going back and interpreting the scriptures accurately. Right? You know, something where where you talked about when God shows up, death or life is revealed. Yeah. And if people are in their death... (laughs) They, they, they accept death. And for the longest time, I mean, that's one of those things that will get twisted where, where, where people will go, aha, see, God is the bringer of death, the bringer of vengeance on these people. You know, I was like, no, they're already in their death. <laughs> he showed up, and he knew what was going to happen when they saw him. They were going to accept their death. And that is not what he ever desires or wants for us. And I, I'm, I'm still wrestling right now with this whole thing about, you know, <coughs> watching people choose death. <laughs> and I'm like, man, <laughs> that's a hard thing to, to watch. And, that, and it does. It'll wound my heart. And it, they're it, not really choosing death, though. They are. And I know what you mean. The... The problem is, though, is that they're beholding their life as being hid in the world. And then that compels. So it isn't an intellectual thing, they choose death. If you behold your life as being hid in the world, the result of that, the fruit of that, will be death. Right? Right? And so, yeah, the, 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 once they, once you see that they're choosing death over and over again, yeah. the, the root of that is that they beheld their life in the world. Okay. They, found, they, they saw their life as being contained in the world and in the systems of the world. All right. Right? All right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when, once they do that, you, the death is coming no matter what. Right. No matter what, yeah. right? It, right. That's, that's like a cause and effect kind of deal. Right. And so it's really all about where are you beholding your life? Uh, where, where do you think your life is being held? Right. Where do you think your life is, right? When you think of your life, where does your heart go, right? Most people's heart goes to their job, their relationships, their kids, right. their money, uh, the world around them, right. their government, uh, you can add in whatever else kind of a thing you want to add in there. Most people's thoughts go to that. Right. And so what it says to you is they're actually beholding their life in them, their own strength and in the strength of the world systems. Right. And if that's where they're beholding their life, that will produce death. That is death. And if you're beholding your life in the world, the end result is you will enlist your own strength. Your mind will be filled with your own devices about right. what can be manipulated a certain way to give yourself life. Right? right? right. And there's no stopping it. Yeah. You could even know in your head, intellectually, that you can't find life by the works of your own hands. Yeah. You can agree with that. Yeah. But if you're all the time beholding your life in the world, you will all the time be filled with your own strength. And you can't get around it. Yeah. And so God doesn't come and say, don't trust in the works of your own hands. What he comes and does is set in your midst the strength of his hand 
to overcome death in the flesh and to build you a body that's glorified and mortal that can never die again. And he says, behold your life. And he comes to try to get you to behold your life as being hidden in the glorified flesh of the immortal man, Christ Jesus. Because if that's where, when you think of your life and where it's hid in the makeup of the life you have, if that's where you're looking, listen, man, you won't be working. And what will happen is, is you'll be on a fast or you'll fast from making your own strength and the strength of the world systems the food that can give you life. Right? You won't start trying to turn stones into bread. You won't look at the world's governments and think, if I can fix the world government, then that can feed me with life. You won't look at the COVID dynamic and think, if I can break down, if this can go away, that can feed me with bread. You won't look at it like that. It doesn't mean you won't see that it's there, but you won't look at it that way because you don't behold your life as being hid there. Right? But if you think your life is hid there, your mind will be filled with many workings and its labors and annoyances. It isn't just labors. It's that your mind will be filled with the agitation of the death you see. And you know why your mind will be filled with that agitation? Because you'll see your life as being hid there. Right? Yeah. And so God doesn't come and say, stop being agitated. <laughs> he doesn't come and say, stop working. Man, for the longest time in grace, I, I knew intellectually I can't find life in my own strength. But then, for some reason, my mind was still all the time filled with the weakness I saw in myself and the weakness I saw all around me. And I couldn't figure it out. What the hell, Lord? I know I'm beautiful to you. I'm fully persuaded I'm a son. But I didn't understand that the real power behind sonship isn't just an identity thing in the sense that I'm beautiful to God. The real cog to sonship is that you have an incorruptible life. And so when I was busy with God, oh, I hope my unbelief. Why am my mind filled with the weakness I see all around me? Have you considered the resurrection lately, Greg? (laughs) And what he was telling me was that every day, a table, the world prepares a table for you every day. Right? And it tells you that your life is hid in these things. And then I was feeding on that every day. And then God was like, Greg, but I also prepare a table for you every day. Right? And have you seen the life that I built for you? Have you seen how I... You're busy. You're feeding on the weakness you see in yourself, Greg, and the weakness you see in the world around you. That's your daily bread, Greg. But have you considered that I overcome the weakness in the flesh in the resurrection of Jesus? Have you considered that I built you a body that could never die or taste death again? Have you considered the house that I built for you? And I wasn't. And so I started considering the work of God and the house he built for me. And what happened was, is that put my mind to rest. And the agitation was plucked out of my conscience. And I no longer became agitated by the death that I saw around me. Do you know what the agitation became then? Kind of like what you just Phil, said, Phil, to connect it to. I became agitated that the people around me are not also seeing this, the house that God built. Amen. Amen. That wasn't the right way either. Yeah. See, we, we get so caught up in thinking yeah. that we must persuade. Right. Right? right? right. Like, and if they don't immediately click, then it's got to be that we're saying it wrong. And now we've got to figure out why they're not no, clicking. No, it's they're stupid. It's not that we're saying it wrong. Well, I, 
Well, I, I never went. I know. I have, I have a tendency to first think it's me. Yeah. Right. That I'm getting it wrong. No. But what I realize is the power. The human heart is an intricate thing. Yeah. And you yes. don't know all the things that have to, all the thoughts and intents of the heart that have to be discerned. Right. It's like an onion. You yeah. don't know all the the areas that have to be cracked open and healed and worked at to get here, 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 yeah, here, no here. Right. Yeah. And it's like the you don't have to take on the burden of persuading. But the power of persuasion right. is already contained in the word of life. Yes. In right. the word of the house God built. Right? God built us right. a body that can never die. Right. He built us a life that overcomes death. And he did it by the strength in his hand. Right? And he did that so that our minds could be filled with that life. And if our minds are filled with that life, guess what we won't be choosing? Death. Right, and you don't even have to. You, you don't tell people. No, you put. You keep putting the life on display. Right. But what about this death? But what about the death was overcome in the flesh of Jesus? Right. Yes. What about the COVID? What about the mask? What about the vaccine? What about the passports? What about the death's been overcome in the flesh of Jesus? Amen. <laughs> right. The world keeps. The world will never stop coming to you. What about this? Yeah. Right. 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 And what God come and did? What about this? <laughs> Right? Yeah. Whatever problem you have with what you see going on in the world, it all goes back to a symptom of death that you don't like. Right. Yeah. And the answer is for you to see that death has already been overcome in the flesh. Yes. Right. right? The weakness that you see in the flesh and the world around you has already been overcome in the resurrection of Jesus. Right. And the gospel is supposed to continuously declare that over and over and over again. Because we're in a world where there is death. Yeah. And so we need to continuously be reminded that death's been overcome. That death has been overcome. Yeah. Right? Yes. Whatever thoughts you have about what can be taken from you, the father is death. The father of those thoughts are, is death. Mm -hmm. And the answer isn't for you to figure out how it won't be taken from you. The answer is to see that death's been overcome in the flesh. Right. Yeah. And for you to keep twisting on that. Yeah. God, you know, God the bringer of death. I just, man, I try to say this so people can understand how we discern these things. God has spoken to us in these last days through his son Jesus, who is the express image of God. So Jesus is the word made flesh. What you're supposed to do is discern that thought that God's the bringer of death by looking at Jesus. You know what we see in Jesus? You know what we see God has in his hand to give in Jesus? incorruptible life a life that overcomes death in the flesh how do we see that look at the resurrection of the dead you know what else we see in jesus i love how birdie put this image up there um on the in a message one day because we're constantly hammering on the penal substitution thing trying to tell people that the father didn't punish the son on the cross right right and people were like struggling in their brains because they were taught that from yeah. very little children yeah, right. so he exactly. put a picture up on the board from the movie the passion and you know what it had it had the roman soldiers with jesus hung over the table being flogged to death and you know what birdie said which one's got in that picture Is Jesus God in that picture or is the Roman soldiers? Will we now say the Roman soldiers were moved by the Spirit of God? And so we see in the Word made flesh in Jesus that it's the serpent that stings people with death. Yes. It was the thief that was stealing and killing and trying to destroy Jesus. Not God. Right. 
We see in Jesus that the wages of trusting in your own strength for life is this death. The reward your own strength will pay you with is death. That was the fruit of what Adam did. That's not the fruit of what God did. Right? <laughs> right? And so you discern those thoughts with the Word made flesh in Jesus. That's what it's supposed to do. It discerns the thoughts and intents of your heart. And you come and say, wait, wait, no, no. What God, we see clearly what God has in His hand to give in the resurrection of Jesus. That's what He has in His hand to give. And we see clearly what the serpent has in His hand to give at the cross. Right? Right? And you start interpreting it right. And once you get the foundation right, that starts interpreting the Scriptures for you properly. And you start seeing it. Right? Like mankind. We were like a wife forsaken in her youth. Do you know, there's a wisdom that entered the world way back when about women. And do you know what it was? That unless a woman bore many children, and especially male children, for her husband, then she was scorned. That she was despised. That she was rejected. That she was abandoned. It was like a scarlet letter. You can read about it all in the Old Testament scriptures. The women that didn't think they could conceive and what they felt about the fact that they couldn't conceive. Now that wisdom didn't come from God. In fact, you don't see Abraham despising Sarah. And the reason why they looked at it that way is because they didn't understand immortality was found in God. The carnal mind said immortality is fine in your line continuing. I will live on in my male child. My name must live on. And the only way my name can live on is if I have a male child. That's not God's kind of thinking. Now, that's a natural example that we're going to take and look at it with a God example. Our maker is our husband. Well, there we were not bearing his fruit. We were barren and unfruitful in his life. You know what we were filled with? Death. Yeah. And the, we were bearing the fruit of death all of the time. Right, right, right. And so because we were not bearing fruit unto our husband, or bearing our husband's fruit, which is God, do you know what we felt like? A wife who was forsaken because she couldn't bear the fruit of her husband. No, no. Do you see? No. And we interpreted our lack of fruit bearing as him scorning us yeah. and abandoning us and hating us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We interpreted his face being hidden from us as meaning we're like, we've been scorned because we're not bearing fruit unto our husband. Right? But then God comes and says, listen, uh, for a little while my, my face was hid from you, but with everlasting kindness have I gathered you to myself. Everlasting means with perpetuity. It means the kindness never ceased. So even while my face was hidden from you, and you interpret that to mean that I was scorning you and despising you because you weren't bearing fruit, that was actually part of my everlasting kindness towards you. For you had gone a whoring after other gods. You had started fornicating with the strength in your own hand. Your intimacy was with your own works, and that was causing you to bear fruit unto death. And I could never bless the death that was manifesting in you. I could never come along and bless your union to death. And so my face wasn't hidden from you. My face was hidden from your union to death. And the reason it was hid from your union to death is because I'm jealous over you with the godly jealousy. I understand that I'm the only one that can give you life. I'm the only one that can produce life in you. So any other union you can have will never do. 
Hallelujah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. And see, see when, you, when, when you first see God fully expressed in Jesus, you start understanding God. Once you start understanding God, then you start reading, then you start, the scriptures start being interpreted. Yeah, you see. And put in line. And it, it's easy to see. Yeah. Right? It's not difficult to see. It becomes very... I used to think the way the Bible is interpreted was the problem. No, the carnal mind is the problem. Absolutely. Like people ask yes. me all the time, why didn't God just write it this way? And you know what I would say? I said, listen, when I was a young man, and I was seen through a glass darkly lit, and I didn't know myself as I'd always been known by God, I used to think the scriptures needed to be written differently. But then I realized, no, no, no. It's not the script, how the scriptures are written that's the power to seeing God. Because it's the Holy Spirit that reveals the scriptures. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right? It's yeah. not how, and now what I see is I actually have no problem reading the scriptures and seeing everything I just described. Yeah. It's actually very easy. It's very simple. The answer is to know the Spirit of God. Right. That Spirit was made flesh in Jesus. Right. And then start understanding these things about God. Right? Mm -hmm. And then you stop seeing yourself. Listen, you're not married to the world. Right. You're not married to the world. So the fruit that the world is producing... Who cares? You ain't married to them. Right. The seed that the world has in it. You're not married to the world. No. Right? It's like, they're not very attractive. I don't want to lay with them. Well, you ain't. So what are you worried about? It's like we're all the time looking at the world as if we got to lay with them. You ain't got to lay with them. Right? right. right? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm, I'm going to go backwards a little bit, and maybe y'all can tell me if this is true or not. But a long time ago, I was taught that pictures that the author made flat, you couldn't fit yourself in it like a stream or, you know, you could see yourself locking through and all. But the flat ones were called icons. And when you were talking about the veil that hid uh, Moses from everybody, and, um, and anyway... Um, the flatness, what the author intended was that you would skirt the picture and see God. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what, when you were saying, was God there or not, you know, and I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's that was just for me, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, that, that's very good. It says in a little wrath, right? I hid my face from you. Right. And immediately, we interpret that according to the wrath of a man. Punitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And we say it's punitive. Yeah, right. And we say, oh God, this God was so angry with right, us. He despised right. us. And so he abandoned us. Paul comes and says in Romans chapter 3 that the law worketh wrath. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when it says in a little wrath, my face was hid from you, that's talking about the law being given. And God's face was behind the veil in the tabernacle with the law. Now was God with them there or not? Yes. Okay, now, so what is the wrath of God? It's his rejection of the idea that you can stand face to face with him and experience love based on you clothing yourself with life. Mm, right, right. And the law reveals God's rejection of that way. How does it reveal it? There was a veil and nobody could come into the holiest place. One man could come into the holiest place once a year. And do you know all the things that man had to do to come into the holiest place that once a year? Do you know all those things are signifying that man putting off the body of death and then putting on the body of an incorruptible life? Every part of all those rituals that that man did 
to get into the holiest place was about shedding the body of death and being clothed in a body of incorruptible life. And that's how he could stand in the presence of God. And so that was the picture of God's wrath. It was his rejection that man could find themselves in the holiest place, seated in the Godhead by the strength in their own hand to decorate themselves with life. And the law revealed God's rejection of that way. Which is what Moses says in Exodus 20. Fear not. God has given you this law to prove to you that the wisdom you have in your heart that says you can find life by the strength of the flesh, that's causing you to miss the mark he has of eternal life for you. That's why he's giving it to you. It's going to reveal his rejection of that way. Right? So that your heart could be purged from looking at that way and that you wouldn't miss the mark because now your fear or your reverence was in God and not the life you could build for yourself. Yes. Right? I mean, that's what the scriptures actually teach. But do you see how you can't get there? If you don't first see God interpreted in Jesus, you don't have to try to understand all the scriptures. That's an academic intellectual exercise. It's garbage. That doesn't mean there's nothing in the scriptures to understand. But I promise you, if you want to understand the scriptures, the first thing to do is to start asking God, I want to see what the word that was made flesh in Jesus is. You start talking with God about that. That's the express image of God. Jesus is the chief of all things. He, He created all things. Right. In him is the life you desire. Right. Everything you desire is wrapped up in that. Right? right? Mm-hmm. And then you start interpreting these things properly. <laughs> right? You know, I, I, I'll find myself tr- trying to speak without poking so much. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, I, I can. I can get in there and, like, you know, turn their table over real quick. But then... Now, now my heart is sensitive to if, if their heart is wounded, they will hear nothing, you know. So I'm, 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 I'm trying to be more careful with, with not just coming out like a bull in a china shop and smacking them, you know. Like, but um, it, so that tempers me, and I see that I see that at work in me right now because. I would I would engage people on the intellectual sparring thing, and now I'm going, man, that's not what's important. It's their heart, and and then I start seeing, I, I do not have the ability, to, change their heart. You know, I, I don't, and, and it's like that is, God's domain. That that, that's His work. I mean, but but yeah, if I'm there. I get to see that happen, and, and the amazing thing is, that happens, and people are almost clueless that it happened. You know, it, that it, sometimes those are the best moments where you know you've just continued to speak the truth that you know without offending, and then kaboom! <laughs> All of a sudden, you see that God moved in someone's heart, and. And you're like, thank you, Lord. I, I have witnessed your hand on that person's heart, you know. And all of a sudden, their mind is straight. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, you don't want to do anything other than just be thankful that you saw that happen. Um, you don't have to prov- provoke people. Yeah, I, 
to get them you to don't be persuaded. To. You're right. But every situation is different, right? There's some times where Jesus went right to the core mm. of their offense uh, and right. dug right into it. Now, we know he did that for their benefit. Right. But not everybody needs that. No. Right? Not everybody needs that kind of a thing. And so, listen, if you're being provocative for the sake of being provocative, listen, man, that's not the truth. Right. Right? You're not you're not dwelling in the truth with you may be tr- communicating something that's true, but if you're just trying to be provocative, right. man, you're not you're not speaking it in the power of uh meekness, right? Or right. or a gentle kind heart. You're doing it from for your own benefit instead of the benefit yeah. of the people. Right, right. Right? And it's kind of like he was saying with the relationship that you build, you know, how do you your relationship is kind of what dictates how the conversation will go. Um, and if by, and it's, uh, I would say that God has a relationship with everybody from the moment they were born, but say that person doesn't know that. You, if you start with the unconditional love of, hey, I just love you, this is the, or say whatever it is you're talking about. But if you open up with love and compassion, uh, they're more willing to listen rather than, yeah, they know they have a problem. I know you have a problem. And if you just go straight through it without a relationship being built, they're immediately just going to say, well, okay, well, screw you. You don't know what you're talking about. I know that's what I'm doing is more important. So, yeah, agree to disagree. Uh, thank you for your time. Yeah. You know, like, right. like that's that's how – and that's – I mean, I've learned that through the years. Is you When you build a relationship, you can't just come in, like you just said, a bull in a china shop because, yeah. I mean – some people can handle it like you were just saying some people can handle where you're like you prod right in and like hey bro this is your problem they're like okay well that makes sense where other people they they're not open to that they're not open to the to the broad spectrum of like this is the issue where you have to sometimes you have to be compassionate and be loving and say this is this is what got you here and then they see that and they go oh okay and then you kind of build it and then you build it and then you build it to the actual issue that is the problem Um, but that's what I've learned is like he was saying, the relationship, start with compassion and love, you'll probably get a lot more yeah, yeah. through them. The, the point of the interaction has got to be their tremendous value. Not they you, feel important. Yeah. Not your tremendous knowledge. Right. If, the point, if the point of their interaction <laughs> yeah, is yeah, your yeah. tremendous knowledge yeah. instead of their <laughs> tremendous value, yeah, yeah. listen, man, right. that's going to go sideways. Yeah. Like you, you guys have seen me go back and, and define terms properly right well we're in our family setting here when i do that when i'm out there interacting with people i don't know in conferences and stuff do you know how many times they misdefine things through the course of our conversation do you think i stop them every time they do that and correct their terminology no not once not once do i do it because if i stop and correct their terminology then we're not going to get to the actual root of the problem right right and so I let people misdefine things all the time when I'm just out there talking to them because I'm trying to reason about right. just the love of God first. Right. After the fact, the terminology can be defined properly. Right? right? So I don't I don't like uh I don't stake my uh put my stake in the ground and set up a battle over the wrong uh, <laughs> right. definition of terminology. Right. Even ones I know to be completely wrong. Right? I, I, I stop and think, what's going to help this person the most right now? Me 
arguing with them about this term, which may cause them to stumble right there. And I might lose them for the rest of the conversation. Or do I let that term just come and go? Right? Do I let it just come and go? Because a lot of times whenever you're in a conversation, as as it grows, they start maybe feeling more comfortable and they start allowing themselves to open up, which then gives you the opportunity through compassion and love to help them or guide them all right um so because if you like you were saying the wall goes up it doesn't matter what you say you you could be if the wall is already built and you are still trying to push love and compassion love and compassion that the the wall's already there you you can't you can't break that down they're not going to allow you to break it down they have to break that wall themselves so like you you can't you can shove as much great information but if they built that wall it's it's, it's impenetrable That's and you true. have to like i said you have to allow them to be willing to listen to you again or to know your heart yeah. and say yeah this person really does love me i'm gonna i'm gonna allow that person to talk to me again or or whatever the case god has be. to break down that wall yeah. yes yeah it's not it's not your like you just said it's not your ability to break down that wall that what they're struggling with it's good that you're guiding them towards Hey, God, God is the answer, and Jesus Christ is the answer, but they have to do that on their own. Yeah. Another way to say what you're saying is that sometimes we fight the wrong battles. Uh, I would agree with that, yeah, 100%. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes when you even communicate with the person that you're talking to, you actually might be, you're, this is possibly your way to battle, to battle your own battle. Yeah. Like you're struggling <laughs> with yourself. And that's, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying that's your issue. No, 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 no. When you're trying to defend your point, you're right. You're not speaking. Yeah, you're not you're really not speaking even, God's truth. You're, you're, you're defending your yeah. point. Yeah. It's almost to a point where you're, you're, you think you're trying to benefit them, but in reality, subconsciously, it's how does it make me feel better about myself? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and to prove that you're right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But what I think you're saying is that you are going in there thinking you're helping somebody else, but God's really revealing something to you. Yeah. 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 And you're still and that that's and how you are, I guess, trying to figure that out is by talking to people. I mean, oh, yeah. Well, you're not trying to figure it out. It just happens. Yeah. No, matters of the heart now are are huge <laughs> because because I I I finally see, boy, when this isn't right. This ain't working. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it is. It, it's. It. I see that truth in me. When this ain't right, I just need to be still. You know, and you know, God sort this out for me. You know, and so it, when I can see that that is at work in me, then I'm I'm able to discern that out there. And and again, if I see that the goodness in someone's heart, man, I don't care what kind of crap they're talking, you know? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll keep going back to saying that, you know? Well, other people are going, no, Phil, I don't think he's saved. And I'm like, hey, that's not my, <laughs> that's above my pay grade. I see the goodness in his heart, okay? So I'm going to keep going back to that while y'all are sparring about whether or not he's sitting. It is. And listen, I just want to bring it back because i got to stop the recording and go in there. Um, but the, the point of it all is the word of life. Yes. Uh, right? Yes. That manifested in Jesus. 
that overcame death in the flesh and clothed upon the man Jesus in a flesh that was incorruptible, glorified with the very immortality of God, never to be able to die again. Actually, within that word is contained the nutrients that everyone needs. And so the point of the last little 10 or 15 minutes is you don't need to sit around and try to figure out why people don't believe. Um, You don't need to sit around and try to figure out what their problem is. That word of life will discern it all. Right? And it's like with the FBI, when they're busy trying to combat counterfeit money, I've said this a million times, they don't study the counterfeits. They become experts in the real. And that helps them to spot it immediately. So let us be experts in the word of life. Yes. And let us all the time out of our mouths be talking the word of life. Because when God saw that something was wrong with what was going on in us, and we were dying, when he could come and speak something to us that could discern everything that was going awry, do you know what he spoke? The word of life. life. Jesus. Well, if that's what God spoke, we ought to come and speak that same thing. Right? Glory to God. Thank you guys so much.